Episode of Hitting Pay Dirt by Impact Sports. This is episode number 28. I'm Alex Podry. Back with me on the very first Sunday with no football until next September. Mike Corwin, how you doing, Mike? Good. Thanks for having me. Um, it is, <laughs> of course, it is a uh, it is a bittersweet day. How so? Well, oh, just no the, football. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's Sunday. Everyone loves a good, like, sunny Sunday. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing. I mean, no one's no one's running full speed into another guy. And this is like the quietest Sunday. I mean, you got college basketball. Had some golf on the TV. Mm-hmm. But there was no. a fight yeah. in college basketball yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. Jawan Howard of Michigan <laughs> punching Craig Card of Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, um, do we know the backstory on that? Apparently, I, so we were in the gym. Get swole. <laughs> um, but apparently, uh, Greg Gard called a timeout late, and they were up by like 15, and Jawan Howard did not approve of that timeout, mm-hmm. so he threw a punch. Seems uh, like the crime fits the uh, fits the punishment there. What about the children, Jawan? Yeah. What about the kids? What about the kids? Yeah. <laughs> it's always about the kids. Inter- and that's um, that's just so interesting, because Michigan was leading in the second half. Yeah, when we had the game on. Against a ranked Wisconsin team. Apparently Wisconsin just pulled away and apparently didn't like the timeout. Mm-hmm. So he, he let Greg know how he felt. Um, if you're Greg Gard, like cage match between Juwan Howard and Greg Gard, if I'm Greg, I want no part of... Juwan had like a foot on him. Y- oh, yeah. Like he's looking up. The reach advantage for Ju- Howard is there. <laughs> yes. Uh, Juwan was like very far away when he threw the punch. Yep, and he still almost connected. Yeah, I think I think if you're Greg Gard, you just got to do the hold me back move. Yep, but, yep, but yep, never yep. let it actually get. Like LeBron is great at that. Yes, like looking tough without being tough. That's uh-huh. what Greg Gard needs to do there. Like yeah, like I'll still maybe fuck you up. I'm gonna jaw, but I want no part of an actual physical altercation. No, and if Juwan Howard charges me. Like my players better step in in front of me, or like I'm taking one across the chin. <laughs> going like, night night. You want to go night night. Yeah. You want to go night night. <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of night night, just I have to throw this in there. Last weekend was a great weekend. We had the Super Bowl, but we also had UFC 271. Yeah. Bam bam tied to Ivasa, who's like my favorite fighter. He's this big fat guy. Is he the drinking, guy that drinking beers out of shoes? Out of the shoe, yeah. Yeah. He had an awesome knockout of Derek Lewis. And he went from the eleventh ranked heavyweight to the third ranked heavyweight. Oh, so that's we're big. Yeah, we're now gonna get to see him fight like legitimate fighters. Um so when, when you say legitimate fighters. Like title contention. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and before that, or before now, he's just been fighting like yeah, contenders. Well, like, like, he fight like Greg Hardy. Like he's fighting kind of like the Greg bottom. Hard, Greg Hardy, like Greg Hardy of like WWE wrestling. Greg Hardy of the Dallas Cowboys who ah. got kicked out of the league for choke slamming his girlfriend on a stack of guns. That, that guy. That, that, that guy. Love that guy. Yeah. Wow. It's funny. We don't actually. So now he's in the UFC 
And every time he gets knocked out, which is a lot because he's not a very good fighter, like the crowd goes nuts. Like he's like the most hated man on the planet. Um, the 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 most excited person in that whole like debacle has to be whoever Greg Hardy was dating at the time. Oh yeah, right. Like seeing the dude that like used to throw you around, like literally get knocked out cold. Well, he's huge. Like he's two hundred. 55 260 pounds i'm sure i don't know her but i'm sure she was probably like 130 pounds 140 pounds yeah like no chance in a physical altercation so yeah you're right to watch him go up against other grown-ass men who are just constantly knocking him out like i think his mma record's like seven and five oh wow so he's got like a 50 50 shot of getting knocked out that is like and i'm just envisioning like karma like that's just karma dude although like whoever his agent is for MMA is like brilliant. He must have signed like a five fight contract with the UFC and they're all pay-per-views. Like there's only five fights per pay-per-view and he's like, he, he's fighting again in March and he's on the pay-per-view card. Like they, in his contract, it must've said like, okay, I'll come to the UFC, but like every fight I'm going to be on the pay-per-view, which is where everybody wants to be. That's where the money is. And he's just getting his ass kicked. <laughs> it's so if, if you, I'm not saying if you were Greg Hardy, but if you were in that position, like, and you knew like the other dude was probably more skilled. Do you take that fight on a pay-per-view for the money? Of course. Hands down. Right. And you just worry about the brain damage later. Yeah. Like that's, that's a future Greg Hardy problem. Well, and this is his last shot to make money. Cause after this, whatever, however many fights he has on his contract, he's not going to get picked up again because no. he sucks. No. So like, yeah, make, make hay while the sun shines, I guess. But cause you're not playing football. No, God, no. You no longer You're not are be a good UFC. UFC fighter. I like, can't imagine like even like the WWE is not going to pick him up with his background. No, and like you're not an announcer. Like I don't. I've never no. heard the guy speak. I doubt that he has. He's going to be bagging groceries somewhere after this. So yeah, yeah, make as much money as you can, and you get hit in the head a couple times. So well, I hope you don't spend it all in one place, Greg Hardy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, he should invest in a very good financial advisor. Right. Stock market. Was so was the what was the other fight? Was it Adesanya? Adesanya versus Whitaker, which was kind of boring if I'm being honest. Like Adesanya did what he had to do to win, but it was kinda like it wasn't a great fight. Um so yeah. But tied to Ivasa is just electricity. <clears throat> so since we were talking about knocking people out, I had to bring him up. All right. Should we actually get into the show today? I think we should. Okay. Let's do it. Um, so we're going to hit on a couple um, college-related items, and then you and I are going to run through um, 10 storylines from 2021, kind of officially putting a bow on the 2021 NFL season. I got 10. We'll see where we are after five. Maybe yeah. we'll split this up into two because you and I have a tendency to just drag on <laughs> gab just gab and gab a couple hands clucking away yep. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's not like there has been so much media coverage and like so much has happened this season that typically doesn't happen in an nfl season we got some doozies oh for sure dude that's the perfect adjective so uh the perfect adjective is still diddly poo from our Did, friend Jim Mora. <laughs> Dude, Jim Mora has gotten so many plugs on this podcast. Jim, I, send us some cold skier or something, dude, buddy. you want an agent, Jim? I'll rep you. We'll get you a coaching <laughs> job somewhere. Uh, send us a shirt with playoffs on it, please. 
Diddly poo. <laughs> All right. All right. So first, um, in the college landscape, some news out of the NL- NIL world. Um, apparently, this is according to ESPN.com, the NCAA is to review NIL policies, including the impact on student-athletes and potential recruiting violations. So, as, and I read that directly from ESPN here. Before diving into that, Alex, yeah. for those listening that maybe just picked up the podcast and didn't actually listen to some of the previous mm-hmm. episodes that we have, which um, highly recommended that you listen to all of our podcast episodes. They're all um, great. Uh, yes, we're not just saying that. We're not uh, certainly aren't biased sitting here, uh, but we go over some of like Alex does a really good job of going over NIL, what it means. Um, so highly recommend listening to some of the earlier episodes that we have on this podcast. But for those picking this up, can you just go over like NIL, like maybe when it started, and it doesn't have to be like exactly like month wise, but like when it started what the impact has been and then like what the what they're reviewing today or like the current state sure so a couple states i believe florida was the first they their state legislature um enacted a name image likeness that's what nil stands for basically an opportunity for athletes to make money on their name image and likeness aka sponsorship opportunities um, California was the first state to pass a law, but their law wasn't going to go into effect for a couple of years. So Florida imp- implemented one that was going to go into effect July 1st, um, of 2020, of 2021. Yep. So it, it's about seven or eight months old. <clears throat> there were a dozen or so states that followed suit. And then what happened is the NCAA was in a separate case, the Alston case, it had to do with like academic benefits, whether or not like players could get extra money for like, working at school. Like it was, it was a very specific case on academic related benefits. But in that, that's not really important to this. But what is important is in that decision, the Supreme Court ripped the NCAA apart, basically on antitrust grounds, saying they're restricting trade. Um, if this comes back to the Supreme Court, it's highly likely that they would rule against the NCAA. And that came out in June. So little history here. So we had 12 states or so that were going to implement name, image, and likeness laws, allowing their players to make money. It would have put the other 38 or so states at a huge disadvantage. Because think about it. You have Florida... If you're a student, if, if you're a student athlete and you're getting recruited by Florida and Wisconsin, and you can now make money at Florida but not at Wisconsin, that's a huge disadvantage to Wisconsin. So I think mm-hmm. you would have seen every state probably implement something. But what happened two weeks before July 1st, when this was all supposed to go into effect, the NCAA loses this case, and then they basically go, you know what, NIL's coming. We're out. Do whatever you want, states. And they have an interim policy that says, you know, here's what you can and can't do, but it's essentially up to every state. So they got their hand slapped by the Supreme Court, kind of took a step back, and now it's, quite frankly, been a little bit of a free-for-all. Every state, every school is kind of doing their own thing, and now the NCAA is trying to 
get control of this without doing anything, if that makes any sense at all. So they're appealing to Congress to pass a federal law. You got individual schools now kind of complaining about it. You know, from the school standpoint, I think their big problem is they're probably losing money out of this. If you think about boosters in the past, they've given their money directly to the schools mm-hmm. for their facilities, their equipment, whatever. And that's how you get some of the, like, I don't know, I <clears throat> I can only think of where I went to undergrad, but that's where you get some of the names, right? Like the big time, like, I don't know, like Clotchy Center yeah. or, right? Yeah, yeah you're... The, you're, the Eckstein yeah, you're big like law school at Marquette, right? And boosters are even a little bit more hidden because you don't really you hear boosters but you don't really know who these people are just about to ask like and boosters a hot word right now too so they're they're mover and shakers and they're wealthy and they want their programs to you know do well so they donate money and schools and teams use that money to build better facilities and they then use that to recruit and the cycle you know continues Mm -hmm. well now boosters are able to go directly to the athlete Basically cutting out the middleman. And then to take it one step further, athletes can make as much money wherever they're going. We saw one of the top recruits in the world go to Jackson State. Oh, yeah. Uh, Deion Sanders. Uh, yeah, Prime. Coach Prime. Yeah. Coach Prime time. Yeah, Deion Sanders program down at Jackson State. So you had a... Is that Louisiana? Right? Um, I should know I'm, that. I'm putting you on the spot. I, I think it's Louisiana, but... Yeah, Mississippi. Ooh. Jackson, Mississippi. That makes sense. <laughs> Close. Um, so, um, but I think what you're seeing, and then right after that happened, right, who who are the teams that are complaining? You got Dabo Sweeney at Clemson bitching. You got, in this NCAA article, you got the um, athletic directors and university presidents from Georgia and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Like all these schools who never had to compete for recruits because they had the best facilities. Also, you can't tell me that these boosters weren't paying these kids under the table anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so now they're starting to complain. So now these schools and the NCAA <clears throat> are trying to get a um, a handle on this. Um, I don't know. I think NIL has been fantastic for players. One thing I do wish that would happen, just being an agent, I do wish that there was federal a federal rule on athlete agents. I can't tell you how annoying it is to apply to every individual state. Plus, every individual state has different applications. They have different standards, different application amounts. It's expensive. And they probably don't, like, the time period that you're allowed, like, when you submit an application. Yeah, some are two years, some are three years, some are every year. Um some states enforce it, others don't. So, like, you know, most agents, you know, I'm very careful because I don't want to get in trouble in my first year. So, I've applied to, you know, every state that I have athletes in. But, you know, most agents probably don't. You can't tell me that Rosenhaus is in every state, even though I guarantee he's got recruits out of every state. Oh, yeah. But, like, some states don't enforce it. Um, others, Texas, extremely, they, they go through and look at every player who's either drafted or signed and they will make sure that agent is registered in the state of texas interesting and it's like a five thousand dollar fine if you get caught so so it's like all over the map it would be really nice i mean i'm not a huge fan of the federal government but it would be nice to just have like 
one rule. Wide sweeping rules. Yes. And like just here's your fee. It. If you want a fee, here's the rules that you have to follow. And it's just the same in all 50 states. <clears throat> so question yeah. on NIL and like NCAA, you as a college athlete in select states that have name, image, and likeness, you are able to sign and have representation from an agent yes. at the collegiate level today. That's all it's in all fifty states. So, the the remember there was there was going to be those twelve states that had laws, but two weeks before that happened, the NCAA said, "Do whatever you want." So there's now NIL rules in all fifty states. Oh, <clears throat> if your state does not have a rule. You follow the NCAA rule. If you have your own state rules, you obviously follow those state rules. <clears throat> so yes, any athlete today can have an agent, but it has to be specifically for name, image, and likeness. You cannot sign like the NFLPA has their own agreements. When you sign an agent for NFL purposes, you can you can't sign that contract. That would still void your eligibility. You still can't get anything in value from agents. Um, but yes, like I could work with any college athlete to help them manage their name, image, and likeness endorsement opportunities. Interesting. So like, let's say that there was an autograph signing, Mm -hmm. you could set up the venue, you could set up all, all all of review the contracts, make sure they're getting paid, you know, and a lot of agents would prefer to do that because you can make up to 20%. So like if you're an athlete and you know. I'll pay you two grand to come by my car dealership and sign autographs. You know, the agent's getting 20% of that. Whereas their NFL contract, even though it's probably a bigger number, I'm only getting 3% okay. at most. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I think this is, this is a good topic. I don't know if this could be a future podcast, yeah. but I have a lot of questions. Um, I'll spare us cause we have, we have quite the laundry list of, of topics already today, but this would be a good topic for another another episode, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So basically all you need to know if you're a fan out there right now is the NCAA wants to get a handle on this, whatever that means. The thing that makes me the most mad is like, okay, so are there pay-for-play concerns? Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, are there illegal inducements? Yeah, I guarantee it. Are some agents providing like an Endorsements? Up- in inducements. What's an inducement? Ah, uh, like I'm paying you to come to the University of Alabama. That's an inducement. You're not supposed oh, to be able to do that. Interesting. You know, you've always learned heard a new like, word today yeah, on a Sunday. Yeah, Thank like, you for that, Alex. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, so I'm inducing you by like giving you something of value to um, come play for me or, <clears throat> you know, those types of things. Um, so are, basically what I'm saying are, are some of the rules being broken? Absolutely. Are, are there agents out there that are breaking the rules, providing, you know, up marketing advances and stuff to sign some of these kids? Absolutely. But the shit that's been going on for years. Reggie decades. Bush in 2004, right? Like yeah. this was happening well, Der- like Derek Rose. I know it's a different sport, but all of these players that have since been in hot water, like Derek Rose couldn't pass like an SAT test or something. I know. Like it's... All of this is happening under the table. It's just now coming to, to light. the front, which is, wouldn't you rather have it be transparent? Mm-hmm. I, I, honestly, with like name, image, and likeness, I think you're going to see the next step go back to trying to make student athletes employees of the university. I think that's coming. 
And I would be really curious to see how the Supreme Court handles that because it would be another case. Like a Vince Young type of treatment, right? Well, like, but like, so once, once these people are like considered employees or if pay for play becomes a thing where these athletes start to get paid for their services, you're going to see high school kids have agents. Oh, yeah, like senior year of high school. You'll probably, you'll probably start to see that now. You'll have like, especially in basketball, the one and done type kids. Those kids will have agents coming into college mm-hmm. to do their name, image, and likeness. Wow. Did you see Baldwin on the UW credit commercial? No. So Baldwin, who's the coach of UWM, his kids there. His son plays. Yeah. They did a father-son commercial for UW Credit Union. Interesting. Just saw that on the TV. That's name, image, and likeness right there, oh. right? Um, so you'll see kids come into school with agents, which I got to be honest, as an agent, scares the hell out of me. It's hard enough recruiting college kids, let alone trying to start recruiting high, high school. school kids. Um, not to mention it's kind of like minor league baseball at that point. You have no idea. Like you could have a five-star recruit, but there's no guarantee they're ever going to make it to the NFL. Doesn't that just sound like so tough? So one of the things NIL right now that, that they're reviewing at the NCAA level is um, whether or not there are recruiting violations and like representation for athletes, right? Yep. And then how that is impacting the shifting and movement of where players go at the collegiate level. So are, is, is your decision of where you go to school impacted by NIL? Yeah, and you, so what's interesting is it's not supposed to, in a way. Now, you can have better opportunities at different schools, and that's perfectly fine. But, like, you're not supposed to be able to be paid just to come play football at Miami or wherever. Again, is that happening? I'm sure it is. Um, and but I don't I, know how you stop it. And I, I would rather have it be transparent. And, again, make give us a uniform agent rule so we all know what rules to play by and you know what part of me thinks like if you have a high school recruit who will have an agent give him 30 grand in cash to represent him why shouldn't that be a thing like if there's an agent dumb enough to do it why shouldn't that kid be able to it cash in so i i agree with you just from like a laissez-faire like free market standpoint 100 percent. you should be able to make those decisions yourself what's the line like age wise what's the line to be able to say like okay i'm i'm 16 years old and i'm about to make a decision on thirty thousand dollars and then if i get that money now i'm tied to this guy that might not be a good guy so one if you're a minor you can't sign anything without parental guidance anyway okay so your parents should be a stopgap for that. Two, I am not advocating for agents to pay players. Like, if your only value add to a player is that you're going to give them thirty grand cash up front, that's not a good value proposition. Mm-mm. Also, if you are a player, think about what you're getting for that thirty grand, because there is a very real belief, at least in that agent's eyes, that that return on investment is going to be ten times or more. So, so like if you're getting 30 grand in cash, it's because that agent's going to get more down the road for that. Mm-hmm. So like, just make sure, like, I'm not advocating for aid. I'm just saying like, what's, I, I wonder what the harm is. 
like, and the NCAA is going to say amateurism and all this stuff. That ship has sailed. College sports is a professional business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the NCAA makes, what, $8 billion a year yes. in college sports? They, um, they make professional. They make professional money and revenue, right? Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it's, and it's hard, too, because it's not all NCAA sports. Like, there's two sports that are profitable. It's men's football and men's basketball. Basketball, yeah. And they those two sports subsidize every other program in college sports but there's so many implications to this because now like my mind goes to like what's like title title nine title nine yeah um like and the implications of giving more scholarship opportunities to like lesser sports programs title nine is a complete joke so for those of you don't know title nine is that for every basically universities for every dollar they spend on men's sports they're supposed to be spending that on women's sports. So, for example, if you build a new men's baseball stadium, you're supposed to allocate the same resources to women's softball. In principle, a very fair rule to yeah. help promote women's sports, which I think in a, in a way is good because otherwise women's sports would just go to the wayside and, and quite frankly a lot of men's sports would go to the wayside like nobody's gonna watch men's i don't even know like rowing ro- yeah crew do they crew <laughs> no no uh-huh. they row <laughs> uh yeah nobody's gonna watch that or like the scholarship opportunities for rowing versus the scholarship opportunities for playing football but if you think about title nine specifically first of all that's how the whole admission scandal happened mm-hmm. um so, you know, it was those same jokes where, you know, celebrities' daughters were getting rowing scholarships, wink, wink, you know, that was all under the pretense of Title IX. Mm-hmm. Second, any Division One team that has a football team is out of compliance with Title IX. Just by the pure value that they have, what, 60 scholarships in football? Uh, yeah. Or whatever the number is. Beating I should probably know point. the number is. Yeah. But if you have 60, think about women's basketball. At most, there's 12 scholarships. Mm-hmm. You can't have enough women's sports to make it equal from a Title IX perspective. Mm-mm. So from a logistical standpoint, the law is kind of a joke, and that's why I said that. You're like, just jamming a circle like through like a square hole. Yeah, and it doesn't fit. So I don't know. The I would love to see great NCAA reforms. I think they're corrupt. I'm happy that NIL's around. I think they just need to like stop pretending that college sports is this pure thing. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's a business. Like let's come up with some rules and some guidelines that we're all comfortable with. But like let's be let's be realistic too. Like to sit here and say like oh these are pure student athletes. Like no, this is a business now. Yeah. And we need to treat it as such. So so do you think that if if they find, right? Cuz I guess in the coming weeks there's going to be some type of like investigation and there already is like a study to see if there if NIL is impacting the decision of college athletes and where they choose to go to school today so if they find that it is impacting the decision making of potential college athletes what do you like a do you do you see as like an NFL agent, what are the ramifications as an NFL agent or as an agent in general um, 
would be my first question. I guess my second question is, who cares? So <clears throat> to me personally, whatever they decide to do won't have a huge impact because I haven't done anything in the NIL space. Um, so marketing specifically for college athletes is a little bit out of my wheelhouse and I haven't like jumped into that. Not to say that I won't in the future, mm -hmm. but right now it hasn't been my main focus. Sure. Um, whatever the NCAA finds, you won't see them do anything. They have no teeth. They're all bark right now. What they what the NCAA is terrified of is another Supreme Court case because they'll lose. Oh, that'd be, yeah. So if, for example, they were investigating, we talked about this, I think, a couple months ago. Do you remember they were investigating BYU and Miami because they had those team-wide NIL deals? Oh, yeah. Notice those have, that story has completely gone away. Silent. <clears throat> there were lawyers at the University of Miami saying if the NCAA sanctions us or penalizes us for this, we'll take them back to court. And I think you'll see whatever it is, whether the NCAA goes after a booster, whether the NCAA goes after a specific team, um, I think what you'll see is another lawsuit, and I think the NCAA will lose on antitrust. And then if they lose on something like NIL, the well, floodgates open. Now you have case law, right? Yes, precedent. And I think you'll see another push. Remember a couple of years ago, the Northwestern team tried to unionize. Like all of those stuff to like make them employees and paid athletes I think will come to fruition, which is what the NCAA does not want. Do you think with NIL, it makes certain universities or the universities that players pick much more top heavy? So like that's why we're seeing like the Georgias um, of the world like come out like and maybe speak against it a little bit? I think it's the opposite. Really? I think Georgia is now losing recruits to teams like Jackson State and that makes them mad. If you think about college football up until this point before NIL, like there's no parity in college football. We went through that list when the college football playoff was announced. Alabama's been to six of the eight college football playoffs. They've won, I don't know, three or four national championships in the last eight years. Mm -hmm. Clemson's been to four. Oklahoma's yep. been to four. Like the same next year, it'll be two SEC teams, probably Alabama and Georgia. Maybe a Big Ten team, Maybe Big 12. Yeah, Ohio State, Clemson. And a Big 12 team. Or maybe a Pac-10, Pac-12. You won't see any Pac-12 teams. They're too far away. It'll be, if I had to guess, it'll be Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Yeah. Those would be the teams. Yeah, like Maybe in Oklahoma, maybe uh, it's something it's, else. It's truly like two slots are spoken for from SEC schools, and then, and then you always have like an OSU yeah. That's in the mix. Yeah, some team that's close, but never will get there. And then and a then, wild card. And then even if they get there, look at Cincinnati. Like, no no offense to Cincinnati. They had a really good team. Phenomenal but, year. But wasn't even close. No. Michigan, not even close. So it's just like, you know, and we're going to talk about this next, expanding the college football playoff. Yeah. They can go to eight teams, and I think they should. It'll be more fun as a fan. Mm -hmm. But let's be honest with ourselves. There's two to three teams every year that can win a national championship. Yes. That's so your so I'm thinking if you can spread out the resources a la NIL think about your the number 
four ranked wide receiver in your recruiting class. You can go wherever school you want to go to. Do you want to go to Alabama where you probably have to sit for a year or two before you get your chance? And yes, you'll probably get to the NFL and you'll, you'll get there. Or do you want to go to Auburn where you're going to start day one and you can collect some NIL money? It's so that part, the way that you're framing it, I did not think of. Um, I don't know if listeners at home think of it that way either. Um, I was thinking about it in a different way where why wouldn't you, if you're like one of a top, like top recruits or somebody that could potentially get NIL money, why wouldn't you go to a top school? Cause now you not only have your name, you now are getting on TV more often. You are oh, now for sure. So, but, but, but those kids were going to go to those schools anyway. Like the Quinn Evers, do you remember that kid who went to Ohio State last year? He mm-hmm. was kind of a redshirt year. He got like a million-dollar NIL deal, and now he's, I think, transferred to Texas. But like that kid was always going to be a top recruit. It's it's when you start to get like outside those mainstay names where NIL can do a good job of spreading out resources. And maybe where before I would have went to Alabama because I want to play for Saban and get to the league, but now I can go to a school who's maybe half a tier below them, get paid a little bit of money, yep. and I'm still in the SEC. You know, and then and now think about what that does to Auburn's class, because now there's a kid who was on the bubble at Auburn who just lost his spot. So now where's that kid going to go? And it just slowly cascades down to the point where maybe you can get some parity. Mm-hmm. It's the same way that I think if you wanted true parity in sports, you would. Um, you would limit the number of scholarships. Obviously, that hurts the athlete. But if you cut scholarships, you cut scholarships by five, those are now five kids that aren't going to go to Alabama mm-hmm. who are five-star recruits, and they're going to go down to the next step. So I think, I think NIL has a chance to actually level the playing field, which is why the Georgias, the Clemsons, they're complaining because I think they're losing recruits that they normally – aren't used to losing i think even just this conversation confirms that there is like we don't know right like there are some it's not a one-size-fits-all if you're a student athlete and maybe you are a top recruit and you want a smaller school because now we're talking about a jackson state we're talking about coach prime or like john morant out of wichita state yeah. comes to mind where John Morant went to that school like and they big time, right? And now he's huge. And I know we're crossing sports a little bit here, but even that decision with NIL, would he have chosen Wichita State? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, well, it's different because he wasn't very highly recruited coming out of high school, which is why he ended up at Wichita State. So it's it's a little bit different, but um I just think it's it, it it's confirming just that there there is no set way and i think like as more investigation more study comes in i think i think it'll be intriguing to see how this ebbs and flows and what waves of players choose certain universities and how yeah. that impacts i just college. i want the old men who are yelling get off my lawn to like take a deep breath yes because you know there are big arguments like oh well it's you know it's implementing the recruiting process and these kids aren't 
picking their schools for school. They're picking where they can get the most money. Like they never were. Yeah, not to mention. Yeah, they never were exactly because before they were picking schools that thought they would get to the NFL. Oh, UNC has a great sociology program, yeah, so have, I'm going to choose Chapel Hill. Yeah, they have the best basket weaving program in yeah. the country. Said said no top student athlete or student athlete in general yeah. ever. They have they have the best aides who will do my homework for me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right, and they can write my papers better than the aides at Duke or whatever. <laughs> yeah, give me a break. So like exactly, every player I shouldn't say every player. I would bet the vast majority of players who are recruited to Power Five schools to play football think they they're going to go to the NFL. Yeah. So they are picking the school that they're going to get the most playing time, and the best chance to make it to the NFL mm-hmm. or the NBA. So, like, yeah, let's open this thing up because it's never been about school for a lot of these kids. And you know what? Should it be? Yeah, probably because the vast majority aren't going to make it. But you know what? They're grown men. They're adults. If they can make a buck doing it, let them make a buck. Yep. And just like let's all agree on the same set of rules and leave it alone and stop pretending that, you know, college athletes are about tradition and, you know, who's got the best, yeah, engineering program. Because for most student athletes, they don't give a shit. No. They want to make it. It does seem like a little bit of a smokescreen. It it would be. So this, this, do you have anything else on NIL? At all? No, I'll get off my soapbox. I think, no, I mean, you made some really good points. I think this is a perfect transition from NIL into college football playoff and in increasing the amount of teams, which is something that also was in the headlines this week, uh, from four teams um, to greater teams. I think eight, eight was a number yeah. that was floated, but that's not going to happen through 2025 at least. Through the length of this TV deal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had a number. How much money did they say they're leaving on the table? Yeah. Uh, so from potential, I don't, again, this is just straight out of sports or out of ESPN. Um, they projected that if the college football playoff today went to eight teams instead of four, the projected revenue lost would be half a billion dollars. So $500 million in lost revenue by not expanding the college football playoff to eight teams. So half a billion. Did you see anything on the Big Ten TV deals? So the Big Ten TV deals up. I didn't. They have a bidding war between Fox, who had some rights, ESPN, who had the other rights. And now I think... Big Ten Network? Uh, the Big Ten Network's separate. I'm talking like their primetime Big Ten games. So it was like ESPN, Fox... Maybe NBC or ABC. ABC's ESPN. Oh, okay. Um, it was CBS or NBC. We're talking about TV contracts for the Big Ten, like one point one billion dollars. So spare me the fucking yeah. You know these athletes who are making fifty grand, thirty grand, twenty grand. Like spare me. This is business. Yeah. Like, and that's just one conference. That's not even the SEC. I don't even know what the SEC deal is with CBS. Probably more than a bill. And that's split between, well, the Big Ten's got, you would think, 10 teams, but it's no. got 12 or 13, 14. Yeah. I forget after they added I Rutgers in Maryland. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 gotten a little off hand. Um, but however many teams there are, so a billion split between those teams. Like, 
That's not even including their ticket sales. That's not including merchandise, anything. They're making a billion dollars or will be making a billion dollars on their next TV contract. So mm-hmm. spare me that, you know, athletes can't make a couple bucks because this isn't about, I don't even think the universities care about these student athletes. And I did air quotes there. Do they really care if Braylon Allen is a 4.0 student? Yeah. No, they care about how many fans and how many TV viewers and at the end of the day, a championship because that brings revenue admissions. And there's more money by making the playoffs. Um, Even bowl games, you make it to a Rose bowl. There's money included in that. And at the end of the day, they actually want him to go to the pros because then they can use that to recruit the next Braylon Allen. Mm -hmm. So like spare me. And we like to think that, Universities also care about the students that that go to their universities and whatnot, but they don't. Yeah, it's my my mind. Just the Lenny Cook documentary is so eye opening because he had representation that led him down a path that made him ineligible to. Which highly recommend watching that documentary. It's on Showtime. I mentioned it in a previous yeah, podcast. I still haven't watched it. It's so it it's just a prime example of being way too early getting representation, thinking you are something, and then your agent, your representation, telling you, yes, you are able to enter the or the NBA draft, you are ready, and no team actually took a shot at him because of all of the whirlwind and downfall of like his decision-making that he made. Um, like He got into some trouble and whatnot, but that's that's just you like to think that universities care about those types of decision-making and like what you do as a student athlete. But really I think, and it's sad to say, I think it's, it's more of the university image that they're worried about than universe. So let's talk about agents for a minute. Cause Mm -hmm. you you bring up a good point and I don't want people to get the sense that I am like, like you said, laissez faire on agents because there are bad agents. There's bad actors in every line of work. Of course bad cops, bad lawyers, bad doctors, whatever. There's just people that are bad at their jobs. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm just saying, you know, let agents do Trust whatever they any want. any agent, yeah. Yeah. Selecting an agent and who you're going to represent you is probably the most important decision most of these young men, especially if you have a chance to make the NFL or NBA, that is the most important decision you can make because the difference between good advice and bad advice it's is... Career-breaking. Yes, Yes, exactly. So I'm not taking that lightly, and I take my responsibility as an agent very seriously. I had conversations with kids this year that were thinking about coming out, and I told them to stay. Like, as much as I'd love to work with you, you need to stay, get another year under your belt, take advantage of the COVID year. Like, you know, work on your skills, come back next year. Mm-hmm. Take I take my responsibility very seriously. And you could have not said that I right said like, hey, selfishly this is, yeah this is your best chance to come out i could have spun a web of lies saying like oh i think you're a fifth round draft pick when the, they're going to be a priority free agent like mm-hmm. and that stuff happens every day and how easy could that have been yeah all for a chance for me to potentially make a buck right mm-hmm. so yes picking your agent and someone you trust is extremely important universities are doing their kids a disservice because right now they just shut the agent out because they're worried about the kid getting in trouble. They're worried about the kid not being able to play on game day. That's all they're worried about. Mm-hmm. 
what they should be doing is taking an honest look at agents. How can an agent help you? And let us help you set up conversations with agents as opposed to shutting the agent out. Because if the university shuts an agent out, that doesn't keep the agent out. They just find different ways to get in. Of course. So like, if we were open and honest and if universities actually taught their kids what to look for in a good agent, what should your agent be doing, what is acceptable behavior, what is unacceptable behavior, it would solve so many problems. But instead, universities just shut agents out. And then, and then what happens? Then you get the shady agent who works their way in. Now that kid gets in trouble. Now they're missing eligibility. And then what does that do to the entire agent community? It makes us all look like crooks. Mm-hmm. And then the, the cycle repeats. So there's a lot of good agents out there. A lot of good agents who could help kids either make it to the next level, give them good advice to stay, help them with endorsement. Like There's so much. And they're missing that because we're looked at as someone who's going to make someone ineligible that or like y'all are just in it for you. Yes. Which right. is not the case. Is is it the case for some? Yeah, I'm sure. And I, you should avoid that agent. And, and, and there's motivation to, I mean, and, and I'll just use you as an example, right? Like this is your first year going through it and being an, a first year NFL agent. It's, it's eye opening. Right, like you, you are kind of learn not learning as you go. Like you're, you're very prepared. You're very eloquent. You're, you're very but learning as cal- you go. calculated in right. <laughs> but yes, yeah. it's it is just eye opening to see how often, and I guess maybe perpetuated by the NCAA a little bit. You're that was Cooper. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> My dog made a guest dog, appearance. Yep. Dog stepped on a duck here. Um, it It's just intriguing, and I'm losing my train of thought, but I think I was... As an agent. Yeah. As an agent, like I, I think it's kind of perpetuated by the NCAA that, you know, y'all are sharks. Y'all, y'all, y'all are in it for the money or... And maybe some, some are. Yeah. Uh, well, and we're not saints, right? We're not doing this for nothing. We're all trying to make a living. So there is that money component. And anytime there's that, there's going to be people that will take advantage of that situation. But there's other just good people that want to just help these athletes through their career and be a legitimate resource and Mm -hmm. make good decisions. An athletic career is too short to make bad decisions. And it's extremely important that you get a good one. Um, So... There needs to be guidelines. There needs to be some rules. But just take the blinders off. Let's start treating these kids like adults. And let's stop pretending this stuff's not happening every day because it is. Yeah. And it's like it's like prohibition. The more you try and tighten the screws on alcohol, what happened? It just became a black market for it, and it got way worse than it ever was before. You pull, the other side pulls harder. Yeah. So like, let's all work together and come up with a good system, and let's stop looking at each other like enemies and, you know, what is it? Rising tides raise all boats. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of money to go around. Yeah. You know. Agreed. Right. So <laughs> I think it, we've railed on the NCAA and, and universities enough. I love it. Um, Anything else on like NIL? Expo- I'm, I mean, we briefly touched on expansion to eight teams, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't yeah. really have anything it, else. No, it's just going to stay at four. And I do think it goes to eight. There's too much money on the table. Yeah. A little shocking that they didn't just do it now, but it, 
it makes you wonder who the committee members are. If I'm being honest, I know like the Mannings are Alabama, Georgia, yeah. Clemson, and yes. Ohio State. <laughs> yes, which why would you want more competition? That just more games yeah. equals like more chances of being defeated. The thing is, if they do expand it to eight teams, you got to cut out some of this non-conference schedule. Like you can't add more games. So like every every team plays thirteen games now, I believe. You have the championship game, the conference championship game, so 14 plus two games. That's 16 games. That's a full NFL season. Um, Yeah, so that's a full NFL season, plus if you add another game, that's 17 games. That's too much for guys who aren't getting paid. Mm -hmm. Too hard on the body. So you need if you're going to go to eight teams, you need to cut the regular season schedule down to 10, 11 games. You can't have some of these kids playing 16, 17 games a year. That's too hard on their bodies. They're not making any money. And we don't want to ruin these guys before they ever can make a dime in the NFL. Exactly. Um, All right. Since we just really quickly, I want to touch on this. Uh, Since we were talking about college football playoff committee members, um, I just went ahead and and, and did a little little Googling because I thought I remember the Mannings being committee members but now that i'm looking at it there are 13 for those listening um and i'm sure you all already know this but in case you don't uh there are 13 members on the college football playoff committee today and they're all athletic directors right they are wow some some are athletic directors the majority are athletic directors i'm seeing I'm seeing a couple wild cards. Um, do you want me to go through the list, Alex? No, not really. Cool. Um, <laughs> one is a professor. There, There is a former offensive lineman, a Penn State offensive lineman. I'm assuming that professor is like a law professor in sports law or something. There's a um, corporate president. That is on the college football playoff. Interesting. And then a a former head coach at Stanford, Notre Dame, and Washington. Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> Not right? <laughs> I, I think he only coached at one of those schools, but yep. I think Stanford, I think Harbaugh. Um, but yeah, there are 13 individuals, wide range of schools, wide range um, of conferences, like... Kentucky, Iowa, Arizona State, Wyoming, Georgia State, NC State, Colorado, Kansas State. So let's pick the schools that have 0% chance of ever making it to the college football playoff. And they're the ones making these decisions. So it's really intriguing that um, if this was a committee vote, this committee decided to not expand to eight teams. No Alabama. I I don't know that I did I see an SEC school? Is Kentucky in the SEC? Yeah. Uh yes. Kentucky is. Iowa's in the Big Ten. That's that's it. Mitch Mitch Barnum, Kentucky's athletic director, is on the college football playoff committee. Weird. Weird. I don't know. But All yeah. Right. Anyway. Well. <clears throat> That went way longer than expected. Oh yeah. So let's um, let's hit half this list. Cool. And then we'll do the other half next week. All right. I like it. All right. 
So this is in no specific order, Mm-mm. but I figured it would be a fun little exercise to look back. I didn't forget any of this stuff happened, but some of it seems like it happened so long ago. Of course. That I thought it would be a good opportunity to kind of just revisit 2021 as the new league year kicks off here in less than less than a month. March 16th is the new league year. That's when free agency will open. You'll see teams franchise tag guys in the next, what day is that? So it's 14 days before March. I just did this on Wednesday. So the new league year is on March 16th. I think the 8th is the deadline. So starting Tuesday, teams can franchise tag guys. So it's going to happen. Oh, this is exciting. <clears throat> this is going to happen quick. Um, and next week, maybe we can, besides the other half of this list, we can do franchise tag guys. Teams, guys we expect. That'll be a good exercise. And I think even just like a tracker, I think would be really cool to yeah. like, what did Green Bay do this week? Mm-hmm. Because I think. Oh, there's going to be so much. Um, teams have already started cutting guys, creating cap room. The Packers have been quiet. Which we touched on this in a previous podcast. Rodgers is probably on the way out. Mm-hmm. Now there's a lot of time between now and March 16th. But there's not much time between now and March 8th if they're going to tag Adams. So just just they're, we'll be we'll be watching them. The uh, we're 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 gonna. They did hire Tom Clement, who's like oh yeah the quarterback Rogers' favorite coach ever. 2006 to 2011, he was the quarterback coach, which is when Rodgers came into Green Bay, and then they made him the offensive coordinator for a minute. Interesting. 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 Anyway, um, we'll get to Rogers later. Proprietary. I think. Uh, I think we need a copyright, um, like a Green Bay Aaron Rodgers tracker, just and like seeing the activity and like recent activity within Green Bay. We'll have to hire somebody to watch the uh, private flights in and out of yeah. Green Bay and yeah, interesting <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so anyway, we'll get to Rodgers um, probably next week. He's on the bottom half of my list because there was plenty to talk about oh, with Mister Rodgers this this uh, year. I don't want to spoil any of it, but, but let's start with another quarterback who had some off-the-field issues, Mr. Deshaun Watson. Um, You and I were chatting a little bit before the podcast. I had no idea. He's got a deposition tomorrow, Mm -hmm. so hopefully he gets his beauty rest. That'll be an important day for him. He settled, I think, the majority of his 22 alleged sexual assaults. Um, So for those of you who were living under a rock, last offseason there was an attorney in the greater Houston area who alleged that... Deshaun Watson had sexually assaulted at the time. I think he had like two or three clients. Mm -hmm. This attorney did. That number has since ballooned up to 22. He's settled a handful of them or most of them, but there's still a few holdouts. So this looks like it might actually make it to civil court, which would be extremely fascinating to actually see what the allegations are, what the evidence is, and whether or not Deshaun Watson is quote-unquote guilty but the texans were put in a weird spot the nfl did nothing have you ever seen the nfl not suspend a player for something like this think about and there's precedent on here think about big ben he was alleged sexually assaulted that woman in the bathroom Mm -hmm. six game suspension ezekiel elliott six game suspension antonio brown antonio brown Think about Deflategate. Yeah. Tom Brady, three games. God, that was a year long investigation. They suspended him for four games. Mm-hmm. That which was supposed to be they were gonna spend him for a year. Yep. Do you remember this? Yep. 
Meanwhile, you have 22 allegations of sexual assault. The Texans are waiting for the NFL does an investigation. They interview all of the victims, or at least supposedly they did, and they do nothing. Mm-hmm. They don't put him on the commissioner's exempt list. They don't suspend him. Literally nothing, which if you're the Texans, think about what God, that puts you in the worst spot ever. Well, do you think that if the Texans played him, the NFL would then step in and say, hey, you're actually suspended because you're going through a legal process? I think it would have depended on the backlash they got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. If if people make this, if especially Twitter, I hate to say it because Twitter is the minority of people, but it's, they're the loudest people. Mm-hmm. If the NFL gets dragged through the mud on Twitter and you got pundits on TV saying, what is the NFL doing? I think you would have seen the NFL step in and suspend them. But instead they didn't. And the Texans probably did the right thing. And they just sat him for a whole year. Now that was easy to do because Deshaun Watson only had a $10 million cap hit this year. That number balloons to like $30 million next year. They're not going to be able to do that again next year. No. So what happens with Deshaun Watson? And and let's say the NFL comes out next year and says, we're going to suspend Deshaun Watson for a year. If you're Deshaun Watson, do you go, well, I was basically suspended for last year? Or does it not count because he was getting a paycheck, even though he wasn't able to play? He got $10 million last year. Yep. $35 35 million. Million. I knew it jumped up. Yep. So, but again, if you're Deshaun Watson, I would have rather been suspended in my $10 million year than my $35 million year. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to get punished twice if the NFL unleashes a punishment. It's an impossible situation because that's, the NFL didn't do anything. That's such a good point because now, right, I I think so much is dependent. Like, Deshaun Watson, you've got a big week ahead of you, bro. Like, Oh, by the way, sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. I don't want this to sound like I'm excusing Deshaun Watson for his actions either. He's a, it sounds like he's a piece of work. We we are um, in no way, shape, or form like I'm condoning just saying, any of what I'm just what saying he's the doing. NFL did not do the Houston Texans any favors Mm-mm. by not doing anything. That's my only point here. <laughs> and 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 you're taking the player perspective, really, is what you're doing, right? Yeah. If I'm going to get suspended for now, maybe it comes out that the NFL bans him, like they did Ray Rice. Mm-hmm. Like if these allegations come true, that's always a possibility. That may be the right thing to do. I don't know. Luckily, I don't have to make that decision. My point is, if they decide to suspend him for a year, what does last year mean in the grand scheme of all of this? Because he was basically suspended, even though he was paid. He was unofficially suspended. Yes. And I would, if I'm Deshaun Watson, and I'm his agent, I would rather have Deshaun Watson suspended last year yeah. when he's making $10 million to then this year where he's going to supposed to make thirty-five. Yes, because you're not going to get paid if you're actually suspended, right? Correct, without pay. Wow. Inter- so, yeah, Deshaun Watson has a huge Not to mention week. if he's suspended for the year, the Texans could go for his signing bonus proration amount. So if, if he signed a four-year, $100 million signing bonus, it would be like $25 million they could go after. I don't know if I have this contract in oh front of me, God. but it would be whatever that 25% of his portion of that signing bonus is. So let's talk about some of like the pending right so there are 22 allegations against deshaun watson let's say all 22 get resolved which is what it seems like 
needs to happen in order for him to have a legitimate shot at playing again in the NFL or being moved, playing again in Houston, whatever that case may be. Um, it seems like those need to be resolved. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the specifics of his case. I can only imagine his NFL agent, and he, again, he's got a team of lawyers that I'm sure are working on this, but if his his agent's got to be thinking, just settle. I don't care what they're asking for. It's less than $100 million, which is what you're set to earn. Mm-hmm. Like, just settle, get this behind us. Because if, if this all settles out of court and we never hear a deposition, we never hear a testimony, we never see court records, evidence, it's just their word versus his and whatever the NFL found in their investigation. He's So he's he's going to be questioned under oath in this deposition. What I don't know is if, if that's going to be public record. It says, and, and I'm just reading an article, uh, Pro Football Talk here, um, it says he's going to be questioned under oath in a deposition and um, depending on the questioning and how Deshaun Watson answers those questions, um, will settling those cases will be dependent on that. Hmm. So it seems like some of this, I don't know if it'll ever be public for us to like hear or see I, I mean, we would love that selfishly because that gives us way more to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but even so, that's that's going to be – it's just the next couple weeks for Deshaun Watson are going to be huge from the standpoint that depending on how he answers these questions in the deposition, he could be an NFL quarterback again or he could be a dude who wishes he was an NFL quarterback and if these allegations are true, think about throwing it all away over, I don't want to say something stupid because that makes it seem like I'm diminishing what he did and you know how those victims probably feel. Mm-hmm. But like, dude, you're a 25, he's a handsome man. You have the world by the balls. You just signed a $100 million deal. You're telling me you can't go out and get girls legitimately? You're, you're going to jerk off to masseuses or whatever he was yeah or or alleged doing that like even if that's like some weird role-playing like some type of like subcategory of whatever you're into like you hit on it you're you're in you're on tv every sunday dude you are a young successful man who like is in shape you're in a huge city. There is not a shortage of people lining up to be next to you and rub shoulders against you. Or other things. Yeah. What do you like what are what what are we doing? So that just makes me wonder again, and then twenty two claims that um that's just intriguing. Yeah, those uh those type of crimes the wrong word because he's not being charged criminal, but those types of acts are just they're mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. And I guess we'll see what the NFL does. What I don't want to spend too much more time on this because yeah. I, I do want to hit these other mm-hmm. lists. Gut reaction, is Deshaun Watson a starting quarterback in the NFL next year? Does he oh, start week one, 2022? Ne- next year, week one, no. Is he an NFL quarterback at some point in the future? Yes. But he does not start week one, 2022 NFL season. What do you think? Man, 
I'm going to say no as well. Where there's smoke, there's fire. 22 is way too many allegations against you. Obviously, everything depends on his legal proceedings. If this all goes away, if he does settle, I think you're going to see the NFL just sweep it under the rug. It'll be something that's talked about in the preseason the first time he takes the field. It'll come up in week one, and then it'll just disappear. And then crickets. It'll be like when you know Ray Lewis allegedly helped kill the body, yeah, or whatever. You know, just like all that stuff that serious stuff that probably should have been career ending. That just talent, unfortunately, or depending on who you are, fortunately, supersedes special rules for special players. Mm -hmm. I think the NFL wants a successful black quarterback, and Deshaun Watson is uber talented um but if this stuff makes it out into public record i think he's toast the questioning alone right like this deposition that he's going through and like speaking under oath if that goes public you're right well especially because a deposition doesn't have the same rules as like when you're in court and you know leading a witness and all the like objection yeah like none of that stuff again i'm not a trial attorney and it's been a few years since i've studied litigation but from what i remember depositions it's no holes bar you can pretty much now he also has more rights where he can just choose not to answer questions Mm -hmm. but yes he's like tomorrow's gonna be and uh, wear two shirts yeah, he's gonna be <laughs> like, sweating bullets. Yeah. yeah, bring 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 a couple, buddy. Antiperspirant. Uh huh. And like get the get the clinical strength mm-hmm. kind. Um, you're touching on something that's really important that I think we're overlooking. Um, just to a layperson, if this deposition ever does get released, I don't. And I'm just using layperson because I think it's so funny in the legal community. Like anyone who isn't legally trained or isn't officially an attorney. Um, you're a layperson. Fun fact. Yep. Uh, Idiot. <laughs> you dummy. So, 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 to myself, being in that category, um, you don't know any better. So, if you hear that somebody is being questioned and the types of questions that you're getting, now you have Deshaun Watson, or you have somebody saying, "I plead the fifth or I choose not to answer that. Is that an admission of guilt? No, it isn't. But to the average to, person, it looks to like the it. average person and to the media, it kind of looks that way without actually being that way. And I think that is super telling because if this gets released and you're in the Deshaun Jackson party, you don't want that. Watson. Uh, yeah. What did I say? You said Deshaun Jackson. I did. I said yeah. Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> the other Deshaun. Oh, um, yeah, but you don't want that. Well, you no, know, you don't. And the other thing is if this goes to civil court, because remember, he has not been criminally charged. There has not been one criminal charge pressed against him. Mm-hmm. There's no police involvement at this time. That's also a good point. If this goes to civil trial and he loses, this does not mean that he was guilty. No, it's Civil just... trial has a lower standard of evidence. You know, beyond a reasonable doubt is in criminal court, I believe, Again, I should probably know this, but it's been a few years since law school. It's by a preponderance of the evidence, I believe, which is a lower standard. Mm -hmm. So it's like O.J. Simpson. He was acquitted in criminal court, but he was found guilty for wrongful death in in civil civil court. You could have something similar here. So again, but again, to your point, public perception, the mob, if he loses a civil trial... It's everyone's going to feel like he was guilty, mm-hmm. even though it's got different standards of evidence, different rules. 
Um, but from a public perception standpoint, not good for him. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. I've, I have nothing else on it. Just keep your eyes peeled this week, guys. It'll be, it'll be a whirlwind of Deshaun Jackson news. I'm sure. Yes. Um, Oh man. Just to think how much is on the line for him, for some of these victims to feel like, I don't know. Closure. Yeah. Closure. And there's probably no amount of money that can make up for that. Well, it's hard to say from the seat that we sit in, right? Like we, we don't know what happened. No. What is it with the NFL and massage parlors? Can I just ask that question? Like Robert Kraft, you're like in a massage parlor, Deshaun Watson, massage, Antonio Brown, I guess, massages. I guess it won. There's there's that stigma around massages, right? Everybody knows the joke, happy ending. Yeah. Two, it is a intimate thing. It's just you and this other person in a room, mm-hmm. and you're naked. Mm-hmm. And then three, these people are probably used to getting what they want, and they just feel entitled to do these things. Mm-hmm. Allegedly. Allegedly, yes. Um, it it it's just, and it's probably easy, right? As an athlete, to say I need a massage, and maybe that's the smokescreen for something else that you actually want. <sighs> Disgusting. That's anyway. Yeah, that's wild. But yeah, that's it. Seems to be a common trend. So more to come on that, guys. Well, speaking of Mr. Antonio Brown, <laughs> good segue. <laughs> Perfect transitions today. Number two and number three on my list are both <laughs> Mr. Brown. <laughs> this all started with a vaccination card uh-huh. and not paying his sh- personal chef. So allegedly. He, was, he was squeaky clean until Vax card this year, right? In Tampa. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, he was having a good year, keeping his head down. Tampa was winning games. And then apparently he doesn't pay his bills. This is not the first time I've heard that. Nope. Allegedly, he didn't pay agents. Allegedly, he hasn't paid... Alimony, child support. Numerous people in his personal circle. And it came time to pay the piper in his personal chef $10,000. Think about what we're talking about here. $10,000 to a man of Antonio Brown's career earnings. Didn't pay that bill. And the chef said, all right, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Announces to the world and to the media that Antonio Brown used a fake vaccination card. <laughs> not, not only did it cost Antonio Brown, he got suspended for three games? I believe three games. So I think it cost him about 150 grand in game checks. Mm-hmm. His teammate also got dragged into it because Antonio Brown said, hey, bro, I got the hookup for you. It was the safety, I believe. Oh, uh, man. I know. I, sh- I should have. That uh, is, oh, that is so just crushing. I think, I think, Think about from that like, that that that, sta- that guy standpoint. Yeah. Yes, like dude, you're just keeping your head down, thinking you're in the smooth sailing. Nope. And then all uh, of a sudden, like snitches get stitches. Safety, AB. Mike Edwards. Yep. Yeah. So all because AB couldn't pay his chef, all of a sudden you're getting suspended. You're losing the game checks. Not to mention you don't have the same s- standard. As Antonio Brown, you don't have the same leeway. No, or the name brand. Yes, and now you're getting, you're getting popped too. Yep. So, uh, and like pay your chefs, people. Yeah, uh, pay your help, guys. They're 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 your lifeline. Um, that is so. And hey, AB, 
like snitches get stitches, bro. Like if you're going to take the fall, why, why are you trying to take somebody else down with you? Well, he didn't, his chef did. I guess that's, yeah, I guess I, yeah. Moral of the story is pay, pay your help. Yep. They're there to help you. And hell hath no fury like a chef scorned apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But that, it would be bad enough if it stopped at the fake Johnson vaccine card. It sure we did. It was not done for Antonio Brown. Yeah. Who had an epic walk off mm-hmm. in week 16 or 17 of the NFL season. In, in, in the Meadowlands. In perfect AB fashion. Yes. So this story actually keeps having layers, not particularly related to AB, but related to Bruce Arians. Have you heard the recent news on, well, I shouldn't say news, rumors on Tom Brady? Oh, no. Rumor has it that Tom Brady doesn't want to retire. He just wants out of Tampa. Apparently, his relationship with Bruce Arians is also souring, and he's had enough with Mr. Bruce Arians as well. So now, I don't know if you've seen it, there's ties to Brady going to San Francisco. There's ties Brady going elsewhere. I've seen the 49ers. Yeah. So that's the rumor on the street, a la Twitter, that Brady's from Cali, isn't he? Yeah, so that was the whole kind of thing. It'd be his hometown team, close out his career, he's not ready to be done, blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, so AB's probably going, see, I told you, Bruce Arians isn't you know the saint. However, that being said, probably shouldn't have stripped down. Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't have thrown his seventeen thousand dollar gloves into the stadium because <laughs> we talked about what it what that's going for on the market, um, and it'll be interesting to see. This is another legal proceeding. There will be lawyers, um, as Andrew Brandt says on Twitter, because AB and his team are suing. Well, I shouldn't say suing. They're issuing an injury grievance against the Buccaneers because his stance is that he was hurt, that the Tampa Bay wanted him to continue to playing despite he was hurt. Therefore, he walked off the field. Obviously, the Buccaneers feel differently, and Bruce Arians said it came down to touches and playing time, um, and that Brown just had a meltdown. <clears throat> so who knows? Um, I don't know if it'll ever be public on where the injury settlement ends up on who wins that arbitration case. That's the reason the NFL wants it to go to arbitration because mm-hmm. they can kind of settle it behind closed doors. But interesting stuff for Mr. Antonio Brown. Never a dull moment. Can I just say the so for for the amount of and we'll just call it at face value, the amount of bullshit that Antonio Brown the bullshit that follows Antonio Brown starting even in Pittsburgh when this initially like there was a storyline that AB wasn't happy and he like eventually went to Oakland. He made some comments about like the locker room and he made some comments about Ben Roethlisberger and how Juju Smith isn't like the guy and like he's nothing without Antonio Brown. How was Juju Smith's year without Antonio Brown? Not great. Not great. And then, not to mention, he took a huge pay cut to stay in Pittsburgh. I mean, he's making like six million dollars this year for a guy of Juju's stature. He should have been making fifteen to twenty million a more year, double. And then in Oakland, when he went, everything that's happened in Oakland. Think about Gruden. 
think about right and i'm i'm just it's just so funny because i don't think antonio brown actually has a game plan it just he's on the surface when you actually dig into some of this stuff is he actually crazy or is there some truth to some of this like I don't know. and now even today we just touched on it antonio brown and bruce arians are at odds and now there's a rumor that maybe tom brady if tom brady plays again it will be really hard to say that there wasn't some type of smoke well the in thing Tampa is Bay. there's two sides to every story the truth is usually in the middle and the thing is both stories are completely plausible you could completely see Antonio Brown just having a temper tantrum and walking off the field. Mm-hmm. I could also see Tampa Bay saying, your ankle's fine, get out there. Oh, yeah. You look at what he did in the first half of that game, and then you look at the way he ran off the field and was doing like jumping jacks. His ankle seemed to be at least well enough to play. Yes. Was it hurt? Probably. Potentially. But you, you, from a just a perception without having access to x-rays and everything else it looked fine mm-hmm. fine's probably not the right word but you know what i'm saying yeah well enough to give it a go yes so that's like i get the truth is probably somewhere in the middle <clears throat> so we had talked um before whether or not antonio brown would be back in the nfl i think that you and i had both said there was no chance in hell with everything that he was going through no way article written on january 6th Four teams ready to kick the tires. Got the Ravens, the Seahawks, Washington football team, and the New Orleans Saints. At least in this guy's opinion, would be willing to kick the tires on Antonio Brown. Special rules for special players, and there's no doubt that he's talented. Is he what he used to be? No. No. And that's going to hurt him. Because if you had the old Antonio Brown, who'd give you 100 catches, 1,500 yards, and 15 touchdowns, there would be a team that would have already signed him. But, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Antonio Brown still had a great year mm-hmm. despite missing games. And being the third option. And he's only 29. Oh, what? No, he's older than 29. I think he's 32. He might be going on 33. 33. My bad. Mm-hmm. My bad. Um, but still, for a 33-year-old wide receiver third option yes Um, plus you're gonna get him despite what he thinks for like league minimum money yeah he still thinks he should be making 20 million dollars a year but uh that's a little bit removed from reality it's yeah like so he he was suspended three games for misleading statements um on COVID 19 and then i just i would love to take his season stats and then just extrapolate those across an entire year because i would still say he's in the upper echelon of wide receivers so is he a top wide receiver can he be a wide receiver one today for an nfl team he could i don't think he would be very good as a wide receiver one he is very certainly capable of being a wide receiver two um if you don't (laughs) see a decline i think uh wide receiver three is his best option slot guy you know, middle routes kind of create space that way. I think the days of him playing on the outside are probably over. So he had 545 yards in seven games. He played seven games this year? Mm-hmm. That's it. 
So if he played all 17 games, that's on pace for 1,300 yards. <laughs> that's and then he had four touchdowns. So you figure eight, touchdowns are eight tough. touchdown. But even receptions. I feel like receptions would be a really... 42 receptions. In seven games. So wow. six per game. Wow. The thing is he benefited... From being a third option. And being in a pass-heavy offense. You could even argue fourth option with Gronk in town. I mean, he, he was on pace for over 100 receptions. That's... I mean... Alex, we're talking about elite statistics in the NFL. A hundred catches, thirteen hundred yards. The thing is, he goes to New Orleans with Taysom Hill. He ain't getting a hundred balls for thirteen hundred yards and eight touchdowns. That's the X factor. <laughs> is Tom Brady was throwing you yes. the football, and Tom Brady led in every statistical category that matters for a quarterback: mm-hmm. yardage, touchdowns. So yeah, I mean, wherever he goes, there's going to be a drop off. He turns thirty-four July tenth. That's old, man. For a wide receiver, you are you are a fossil. But crazy, he probably is playing week one of the NFL season. Out of those teams that you mentioned, New Orleans, New Orleans, Baltimore, uh, Washington, and Washington Seattle. Washington and Seattle. Seattle makes the most sense for Antonio well, Brown yes. or for Seattle. Both. He can play wide receiver three. You got Lockett and Metcalf. You don't have to be the guy. You're going against nickel corners. They chuck the ball around. Give Russell Wilson another weapon. Mm-hmm. That makes the most options. Every other option is not good for Antonio Brown. Washington football, who the hell's going to be their quarterback? Mm-hmm. Baltimore. That could be, honestly, his cousin is there. Um, yeah, you got Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman. But, man, they... I don't know what the end game is for Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. and what like it is as a passer. Like the guy's an electric athlete, but what does it look like as a passing quarterback? And in that team, your first option is tight end. Like let's let's be yeah, honest. Mark, Mark Andrews is wide receiver one. <laughs> yes. Uh and then when you think about it, how often are you gonna catch up like Lamar Jackson, great quarterback? He's not Tom Brady. No. So now you are inviting a potential circus into your locker room as Harbaugh. If you sign Antonio Brown, I get you're interested. His cousin's there, whatever. I don't care. I think what we've seen out of Antonio Brown recently is what you're going to get. And you're going to get a guy who thinks he's better than he actually is. And you'd be going to a team that very clearly has a run first mentality at Baltimore yeah. in Baltimore. And I don't see Antonio Brown mixing it up in the blocking game. No. <laughs> at all. And then you got the Saints who again, who's their quarterback and they're 70 million over the cap. It's for the Saints though, that'd be a great pickup for them. Sure. Wide receiver 2 with Michael Thomas for 800k a year or a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. All right, enough AB. What if Jameis comes back? To where? New Orleans? Or Tampa? It could be. Or, yeah. Jameis Winston will be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. Sadly, oh, yeah. Sadly. Yeah, right. <laughs> For NFL <laughs> quarterbacks. <laughs> Whether that's good or not, yes. <laughs> Only quarterback ever to go 30 and 30. He's <laughs> in the record books. The thing is, Jameis can, he can do it. He can also 
not do it. Yeah, yeah. Like as quickly as 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 he can lead a team to victory or lead a team to beat a. He can throw for three hundred yards and four touchdowns. He can throw for one hundred fifteen yards and throw four picks. Yes, in a half. <laughs> yes. yes, like <laughs> absolutely. All right, let's hit these next two pretty quick. Yeah. Because Jordan is getting restless. <laughs> yeah. You might hear some toddler in the background. Um, all right. I had Cam Newton returns. That was kind of a cool story. Wow. Um, came back. Uh, Sam Darnold had some injuries, plus he wasn't playing all that great. So Carolina said, yeah, screw it. We'll kick the tires on old Cam. And, like, do you remember the first week he came back? There were talks that he was, like, Cam MVP. Newton of old. Yes. And then he very quickly came back to the Cam Newton in New England. And then he went back and had, like, another good game where he'd throw for, like, two touchdowns, rush another in, and then he'd have another game. There's still something there. Mm-hmm. The problem is Cam just isn't consistent enough as a pocket passer. No. And he's just taken too much of a beating to be the same runner that he was. I think Cam Newton's on a roster next year. He's, I mean, he played in a Super Bowl. Cam Newton did. Yeah. I mean, he lost to Peyton Manning, but he played in a Super Bowl. Um, he was an MVP. Yeah. Like, the talent is there, but it's the same questions about his play back then, right? Consistency, accuracy, passing the ball. There's no question he can run the ball. Um, just now that you're older, you you can't do the same things. You're not as quick and the concerns about accuracy have only gotten worse. Yeah. I mean, he looked terrible in New England where they really tried to make him a pocket passer. Yeah. It's probably the same thing that concerns Baltimore's because Baltimore, apparently, according to the rumor mill, talks between them and Lamar for an extension have broken down. I think it's probably the same thing. Like, yes, can Lamar rush for a thousand yards? Yeah. When he's 24, Mm -hmm. it's going to happen when he's 28. And he's gotten hit an extra hundred times a year from running the football. And Lamar's not built like Cam. No, he's a he's like a true two hundred pounds, like a true athlete in the NFL where Cam was 250, 260 pounds. Six five. Yeah. Just uh, and we talked about it with Josh Allen. Now Josh Allen is a true pocket pat. Like he's a true quarterback in that sense. Mm-hmm. Lamar and Cam are similar in that they what makes them so good is their legs whether that's throwing on the run, the fear of them running, which keeps guys in, you know, whether it's in a spy or whatever. It's got to be concerning, and I think Cam's shown the worst side of that. Can Lamar figure it out? He's, Maybe. He's putting in the work. So, yeah. so they're video surfacing he, three days after the Super Bowl. And, I mean, for, for what it's worth, you could have got a 20-second video clip, and that's all that he did that day. But it seems that he's putting in the work because there was an Instagram video that came out. He's passing three days after the Super Bowl. Well, this year, this offseason is huge for him. He should get his extension this year, him and Baker both. Mm-hmm. If you don't this year, uh, that's then there's some question marks. That means that he's probably not going to be a Raven. Same with Baker and Cleveland like because they're going into their fifth and final years of their rookie deals this year. Those teams should have those guys locked up. And if they don't, it's meaning that they're at least exploring other options. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I thought the Cam Newton story was kind of cool. It was kind of fun to see him doing the Superman thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't last very long. But <clears throat> all right, last topic, and then we'll do the other five next week. I have on here Rams break the mold on roster management. 
we talked about this a little bit after the Super Bowl or even right up to the Super Bowl. <clears throat> they they took the all in approach and it worked. Um, I saw an interesting um, comment from Andrew Brandt who said that it worked for the Rams, but think about how close, like football is so close. The margin of error is so small. If it wouldn't have worked, think about if they'd have lost to San Francisco. If, you know, think about, you know, whatever. They don't have a draft pick until round five. Aaron Donald's talking about retiring unless they bring back Von Miller and OBJ. Like, they could be in a world of hurt for the next several years. But it worked, and they got a ring. Yep. So you're, it wasn't a dumb move. Like, but you're Not at all. You're spot on. Remember how close the NFC playoff picture was? The Rams dropped from a potential, what, they were a potential two? Or were they the two? They ended up being... Five. The fifth. They, yeah, they dropped had to from go, two to five. They had to go into Dallas. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Also, so, think about that, though. The fifth seed hosted the NFC Championship. Mm-hmm. No, they were the three seed. Oh, they were the three? Because they won the division. That's right. Mm. So there's a different team that dropped. Like they, they had potential to Dal- be... San Francisco went into Dallas. That's what it was. But think about if the Packers don't lay an egg against San Francisco, they would have had to come into Lambeau Field. Yeah, you're right. Um, and they had, just, Those margins, right, are so, so small. You had to beat Tom Brady. You could have had to beat Aaron Rodgers at home. Now, as it ended up working out, you had to beat the 49ers who beat them in week 18. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like it's that, that, that margin of error is so thin. However, that being said, I'm kind of contradicting myself, but as I thought about this, they also broke another stigma. You and I talked about this with the Rodgers thing. When you had talked about re-signing Rodgers, I had mentioned that no team had ever made a Super Bowl paying their quarterback more than 13% of the salary cap. Do you remember that? Yep. <clears throat> the Rams, if you look at what they paid Stafford <clears throat> and what they owed Goff in dead money. Oh, yeah. What What is this number? $45 million, which was like 25% of the cap this year. I wrote a tweet. I had a tweet about it. They finally broke that stigma. Like that that is broken. They've kind of showed a way forward to win with a high priced quarterback, which if you're a team like the Packers, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Bills, who have a superstar quarterback that's gonna be making forty five to fifty million dollars a year, it gives you a little bit of hope that it actually can be done. But you have to hit on so many different moves. You have to be willing to think outside the box, which the Rams were. Like I said, they don't have a draft pick until round five this year. Wow. Most teams aren't willing to do that. What is that, day three? Like, they're not even televising. Like, right? I, yeah, I, I don't they're, know that for sure. Yeah, but. you're right. They're picking on day three for the first time when ESPN is doing, like, 30-second segments on guys that are drafted. Yep. And they're, like, six draft picks behind because the draft is moving so quick. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. That is – wow, dude. That So I think now – even more intriguing than what the Rams did to go all in is what's the trajectory in LA now, assuming McVeigh, Donald, those, those individuals come back, key building blocks to that team come back. How do they bounce back? Are they, are they now in purgatory for an extended period of time? <laughs> the problem with the Rams 
if they want continued success, like I'm sure they do, the good news is they got Stafford pretty cheap. In today's quarterback market, to be paying a guy $25 million or whatever he's getting paid. That's, steal. That's a steal. Um, the problem is they are superstar heavy. You think of the Jalen Ramseys, Aaron Donald, if Von Miller returns, and they ha- they lack depth. And they're not going to be able to replace that depth with cheap rookie talent. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to do it in free agency. And that gets harder because veterans are more expensive than rookies. Just how it works. So that's going to be the hard part to sustain the success. Um, and they're going to have to clear some cap, which means some casualties. Maybe they work out some trades. Maybe they get some draft picks back. I don't know how they're going to do it. it does get difficult. This is not a long-term strategy. It's no. very short-term. But give them credit. They saw their window. They took it. And they did go all in this year. The, mm-hmm. the Von Miller trade, signing OBJ to, I mean, he ended up making like $4 million with them with all of his playoffs incentives. Good on them. They did it. And that's what <clears throat> I think if you're a Packer fan, that's what you've been wanting the Packers to do for all these years. But the Packers have been more conservative. Now it seems like they're switching their their tune, if you believe those rumors. You know, they're gonna try and extend Rodgers and and keep Devontae and they're gonna ha- but they're gonna have the same boat. I did some research on this. The Packers, just to clear cap, you're probably gonna cut or trade Zadarius Smith, cut or trade Preston Smith, cut Randall Cobb, cut Dean Lowry, cut Mercedes Lewis. Those are all guys that contribute when healthy that are likely not going to be on the team because you're going to go all in with Rodgers and Adams. Mm-hmm. It can work, but it the margin of error is razor thin. And now you need other guys to step up, which I'm sure some will. They're unproven. And now you open up the risk of a Rodgers injury or an mm-hmm. Adams injury. And again, so minor, like so small in terms of you could turn wrong and now you're out six weeks that implicates the rest of your season. And now that you went all in, you can't go back and say, mm-hmm. actually, you know what? We don't Just want kidding. this contract. Just kidding. Now, now not only are you not a Super Bowl winner, you now have to deal with the ramifications of those decisions in the future. So I think leading up to what the Rams are going to do this year and beyond will be so interesting after winning. Agreed. And it'll be interesting to see how many teams try and emulate that. Do the Packers do it? Do like the Cowboys do it? Do like some of these teams who have high-priced quarterbacks, do they try and get a few high-priced free agents, make an actual trade, give up draft picks to try and get that missing piece? Most teams haven't done it. But now that the Rams showed you can do it and win a Super Bowl, how many teams try it? It's just... It's a high risk, high reward proposition because like like we talked about, I still think the Packers need to dish Rodgers. But that's also the safer route. Mm-hmm. You don't Mon- money wise, yeah. right? Well, money wise and future wise. But at the same time, you don't get a quarterback of Rodgers caliber probably ever again in the yep. franchise. Yep. Like there's yeah. Like you're not going to draft Rodgers. There's no guarantee Rogers. that you're going to get the next franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. And from what it looks like they don't feel like love is that guy. Confirmed by them going all in on Rodgers. If that's yeah. what they decide to do. Yep. So 
Lots fascinating stuff. Free agency this year is going to be fun to watch. Electric. The franchise tag thing is going to be interesting. And the next two weeks, you're going to watch teams start to make some moves here. Only good things for the NFL. Um, this is such good publicity, especially considering the NBA. Their trade deadline is always so electric because you have so many guys on the move. The NFL and these storylines are going to be just as good this year coming up. Um, you're going to have so many great headlines, so much movement. Yeah, agreed. Well, basketball, it's easy because there's no system. It's mm-hmm. easy to be a basketball player from a you know strategy standpoint. You don't have to learn a playbook and all that stuff. But I agree. The NFL would love to have a great trade deadline. They would love it mm-hmm. from a from a news standpoint, being on ESPN. Absolutely love it. It'll be fun to watch. A lot yeah. of exciting stuff for an off season. Next week, I think I think I think we can go in, into some more things on Rogers. So you want to tease it a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So I got I got the the coaching. Mm-hmm. Gruden, Meyer, and Flores. Uh huh. Well, and we can add um, maybe some front office shenanigans. Yep. So I got the Redskins. Or, excuse me. Commanders. Uh, yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I'm I'm two names old now. <laughs> I'm sorry. They'll always be the Redskins. Yeah. But I got the Commanders, Washington football team, Dolphins, and Cowboys, all with some management sticky situations, if you will. Yep. We got the Rodgers deal. We got Henry Ruggs. And then we got COVID, everybody's favorite topic. Oh, man. Which keeps raising its its head. I feel like COVID, COVID is that steroid that's induced into all of these headlines that has just like amplified the majority of them. It's like a cockroach in a nuclear bomb. It just won't die. Yep. Yep. Just keeps on coming back. And now for those that have seen it, you've seen Men in Black, the first one. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, that ending scene where, where Kay, Tommy Lee Jones gets eaten and then Jay has that mini midget cricket and like that weird guy then turns into that huge like ant or like whatever <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah, that giant cockroach. Um that that's like what I feel COVID has become today. And like we're just squashing little cockroaches while the big dudes like running around causing havoc um and just influencing some of these storylines a little bit. That movie has the best quote ever where it's a uh, same guy, Tommy Lee Jones is like People individually are smart. Groups of people are stupid. Yep. How true is that? Wow. What that is? That's such a great connection, Alex. Yes. That <laughs> just ties a little bow on COVID. So, all right, y'all. Well, that's what we got on the on the venue for next week. Uh, we went way in deeper into NIL, but that was mm-hmm. good. That was a good discussion. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, y'all enjoyed it. If you liked the episode, share it. What did, what, did, what did all the YouTubers say? Subscribe and like. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do all that stuff. Follow us on the socials. And we'll talk to y'all next week. Yeah. Later. Later, guys.